0: So, uh, yeah. Well, a couple of things to pass on to before we get to the life of Christ. This is something that somebody sent to me. What do you call a well dressed ant? Elegant. Uh, Well dressed ant. Blame the one who sent it. Well dressed ant. Oh, this one is kind of good. Making light of a hard bad situation. This man says, I too was once trapped in a woman's body. Wow. Then I was born. <laughs> <laughs> one time Pete Wright told me, driving in the car, going home from church at the base, he says, You know I'm always right. I looked at him and I said, Poor aren't you, the cocky one. I'm always right. Then he pulled his ID, he says, see? W R I G H T. He actually has a sense of humor for a little short man. <laughs> you can tell him I said so. <laughs> Let's go to John chapter five this morning. It's kind of good to see people smile once in a while. Sometimes we get kind of like Ugh, because, you know, that's how life is, but it's okay to tickle your phone about once in a while. I'll give you one more since you're in a good mood now. Did you hear about the patient who had his left arm amputated? He's all right. Mommy. All right, John chapter 5. <laughs> He's all right. I tried some of that coffee cake, and I said, Francis, where'd you get it? Food then? He said, Carmen Land. Wow. When it, then it struck me. Oh, Carmen made it. Wow. Carmen Land. Okay. He does have a sense of humor once in a while. You can't tell when you look at Francis with Dean son, he looks so serious and so, but anyway, he does have a sense of humor once in a while. Today is that once in a while day. <laughs> John chapter 5, the life of Christ, lesson number 6, going to take us several months to go through and do justice to what the New Testament says about his life on earth. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be in church. We pray for those uh, that have assembled today, pray to you bless them and be with those who are on the way, if those who are sick, raise them up. And keep them safe, Lord, while they take time off to get better. And Watch over us today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be in church. We appreciate our freedoms in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 5. Uh, the Lord has been in Cana, and now he uh, comes down from the north. He comes down to the south, which is always a good thing go back to the south. Speaking of southerners, can I read you one more? May I? Go for it. <laughs> go for it. My son says go for it, so I shall go for it. (laughs) All right, I'm I'm trying not to laugh when I read this because I'm trying to be serious. This is uh, Southern Fried Healthcare. (laughs) Medical staff, defined as a doctor's cane, C-A-N-E. More bid, more bid, a higher offer than I bid. Okay. Nitrites. Cheaper than day rates. Nitrates? Nitrates? Nitrates. Nitrates. Outpatient. A person who has fainted. Seizure. <laughs> mm. mm. Roman Emperor. Alright, that was that was too crazy. See the Roman Emperor. John chapter five. Oh me. John chapter five. The Lord has been in Cana, he comes down to the south to Jerusalem. And there are thirty-six events in this period of his life. We won't cover all thirty-six today, but there were thirty-six things that took place. And so uh, let me ask you this question. Have you ever done or said something that just infuriated people like bad jokes? Have you ever said something that's made somebody mad? Or you said something that made someone really really mad now if you never have done that yet uh, give us a little bit of time because it'll eventually happen you don't plan to you don't intend to but it just comes out or you just did something without thought Uh, we've all done that so but the Lord never made a mistake and he said something he did something that infuriated people made them so mad at him, they wanted to kill him. Now, I don't think any of you have made uh, or said anything so wrong that someone wanted to kill you for it. But the Lord did two things in this chapter that caused people to just, a certain group of people to just hate his guts, as we say. They hated him so much they plotted eventually and actively to kill him. Now that's real hatred, and that's really someone being offended, okay? It's in this chapter. So in this study on the life of Christ the two things that he said and did would cause this kind of reaction to the Jewish leaders. Not a good thing to happen but this is what we find in the Gospels. John chapter 5 verse number 1, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This is one of three feasts that male Jews would be required to go to Jerusalem for, uh, Passover, pentecost or the feast of purim at least one of the three and so he's here at the feast in jerusalem and verses 2 through 16 verses 2 through 16 you have here something that happens that causes the leadership of the jews to want to kill him look at verse number two now there was a jerusalem but the sheep market, a pool which is called in the hebrew tongue bethesda do you know of a town in Bethesda in the US, in Maryland? Bethesda, Maryland, a good name. And we'll see that in just a minute. But he is here at this pool, or he's near this pool at Bethesda, having five porches. So it's not a small pool, it's a large pool. And some commentators have said the pool is like just archways, uh, these um, five porches, but I think it's five porches. In these these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now imagine the scene that you're reading here. There's a lot of people who are infirm physically, they have problems. It's not in their head, it's in their body. They have a real problem physically, and they come into this pool at the feast, and this must have happened more than one time. They come to this feast at this pool, and they're hoping for the moving of the water by an angel which is a very strange event here. And they're hoping to get into the water so that they can be healed of their infirmity. This is a very strange passage in the Bible. Many people have said many things about it. Let's see verse number four. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And so this is the scene in which the man that we shall, we shall soon see about. He's trying to get to this pool and it's leading up to the hatred that Christ would have. Verses two through six, verse number six tells us, uh, verse number five, and a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, without thou be made whole? And so here's a layman for 38 years, I don't know if you can imagine and appreciate his condition, but for 38 years this man could not do as normal boys could do, as normal men could do. He was paralyzed. And so he's here at the pool hoping to get into the water uh, on the Sabbath. And uh, excavation, by the way, have found out that this pool actually has five porches like John records. Uh, funny how archaeology and uh, excavations, many times if not all the time, bear witness to the truth of what the Bible says. If you have any doubts about things which you read in the Bible, take sides of the Bible, and eventually, science and archeology will catch up to it and prove it to be true. So at the moment, when people have doubts about that, that's unreal, the walls of Jericho falling, no, no way. Later on, they find out that it happened like that. And many other instances in the Old Testament is true. So if I were you, uh, you probably feel this way, but if I were you, I would just give the Bible the benefit of the doubt and uh, let the critics criticize because people like to criticize. Have you not found that to be true in life? Critics always like to find fault, uh, whether it be a movie critic, uh, a critic of sports. And this is why I do love sports, but I don't like what people say about sporting events. These expert panel of commentators, former players or someone who has not played the sport, yet they're being paid to comment on a player or a play or why they lost or why they won. And they get so into it. They are such experts, they're so knowledgeable, and a lot of times I don't agree with them, not because I'm smart than they but because it doesn't make any sense. And so critics criticize, when people criticize the Bible, go ahead and just believe what the Bible says, and then eventually you'll see in time that the Bible is true, okay? All right, now let's go on to verse number, uh, in verses two through six. The event here, the pool, the event, is an angel comes down to this pool at this feast, and he does something to the water, where people get healed. Now at this point, we begin to scratch our heads and say, what is going on here? Because apparently this goes on often and it's not just a one-time event and people line up like it's a rock concert and they're trying to get in and be the first one in the water when the angel comes and stirs the water out. Maybe he goes in there, he does some abracadabra or he touches it and it turns a different color or whatever happens to it. But the idea is that if I can get to the water first, I'll be healed of my, you see? And this is what's going on. Speculation that there was mineral content from nearby springs. Now, I don't think that it's totally wrong to say that mineral water can do good for some things, but can mineral water actually heal you of being paralyzed? That'd be kind of difficult. And so something is going on here. There are a lot of mysteries in life, really, that we don't understand. And here's a mystery that's hard to understand. That's a speculation. Uh, these people are real handicaps and the uh, mineral oil cannot restore a withered hand as far as I can tell. Um, if you need to get stitches, you need to get stitches. All right, if you have an infection, maybe something can help, but to really get to the problem, you need something done to you physically. Um, wishful thinking, legend, I'm not sure. Um, but if it is just a legend I'm thinking this is not a first time event why would people keep coming back to the pool if it really happened it didn't happen why would they come to get disappointed again and again and again something happens here, hard to understand what it is, but they do describe it like that, unusual event angel, water and healing (laughs) angel, water and healing, now Someone says this, as to explain why, uh, what this is all about. Quote, the words from Waiting for the Water to Move are not in several old manuscripts. This verse and the last clause of verse three, Moving of the Water, seems to not be in John, or written by John, but to be a very early insertion, at least as early as the second century. So here's what you have from that statement. Because it's hard to understand, it must be because it was not inspired scripture that you're reading it is something that someone inserted and it's not John's inspired words it's what someone stuck in here therefore that's why it doesn't make any sense this is one way of people explaining things that they cannot understand all right well I don't understand it but I accept that this what happened okay Uh, hard to explain hard to understand that it must not be in the Greek text of the King James Bible Um, if people are genuinely healed it makes me think this some are healed by in the Bible you have healings by different means for example in 2nd Kings I'll just give the reference 2nd Kings 4 38-41 some are healed by a purified pot of stew something that they ate healed them in 2nd Kings 5 verses 10-14 a man was healed of leprosy by being a prophet and going into the water of Jordan seven times, and he was healed by that. So it's kind of unusual. Second Kings 13, verses 20 and 21. One man was healed by touching the bones of Elisha. Well, that's pretty spooky. That's pretty much Twilight Zone-ish. <coughs> that is really like, eee, science fiction. Acts 5. Some were healed when the shadow of Peter fell on them. And that was either folklore, superstition, or something happened. And then Acts 19, in the Bible, people are healed by different means. Some were healed when Paul's handkerchiefs were laid upon them. Now that is very unusual. Acts chapter 19, Paul's handkerchief hit on people and they got healed. Now, here's what's gonna happen. People are gonna react to these verses. They're gonna say, okay, When I see a TV evangelist, healer, advertise one ounce of water from the Holy Land, from from the River Jordan, you buy this for a hundred bucks, one ounce of water, for your love gift, I'll send this to you, and you drink it and you'll be healed. They get that from over here. They take the scriptures and apply it to themselves as if it is the thing to do. Um, I will tell you this, don't do that. Don't buy from that healer that's offering, and some even offer a handkerchief. I wouldn't buy it from anybody who's selling that to be uh, physically healed. I don't know why some of these things have happened, but it has happened like the Bible records. So don't order that hanky from that TV fake healer. Uh, really should be TV fake healer. That'd be really appropriate to sit like that. And so, uh, how do you account for these healings? How do you account for this moving of the water by an angel? So that people want to get into the pool first and be healed of the infirmity well i don't know i don't know if you know i'd like to hear what you think because maybe maybe i haven't got to that place here where i understand this passage of scripture everybody i've read they have speculations and they're not really sure themselves it must mean then it's a mystery of some sort how it happened i know one thing who is the real healer of the body Is it Benny? <laughs> no. God is the one who can heal. Yeah. And I need to tell you this, that in James chapter 5, sometimes healing takes place because elders of their church are called to anoint someone who is infirm with oil and pray over them. And so sometimes that happens where people do get healed of a physical problem. The, the real issue behind everything here is that it is God who is able to heal and he will heal if that is his will to heal so that is what you go to where you don't understand some of these things go to the truth that okay god is all powerful god has not gotten weak because this is the new testament oh in the old Testament, he was so powerful he did all these things but now it's the new testament he has atrophied in his power <laughs> no he can still do it but then the emphasis is a different kind of healing it's a spiritual healing now more than a physical healing but can he still heal the answer is positively two thumbs up two thumbs up okay i think i could hit up something minor when i was younger there's something grown over here i thought I mean, you know when you touch yourself you feel like a little lump here somewhere small kind like a bb small kind like that i felt that and i didn't know what that was i just played with it on my ear a little my way over here and then uh, i said uh, in my youth in my young life as a christian you know, you hear about God being all powerful. Lord, if You can heal this from me, take it away. Not really thinking that God will do anything like that. And the next, next thing, I, next time I play in my ear, hey, something's different. It's smooth. There's no bump there. Well, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. But uh, maybe the Lord healed that. And under my simple, ignorant faith, I don't know. But um, I remember one time, Miranda's dad, Randy had uh, someone did James five and prayed for him, or maybe he was one that was, was for you. And what, you got more sick? No, no, I had a, I had a bad migraine. Headache. Uh-huh. The, the cute part was what he said when he started praying. Uh, what did he say? He said, Lord, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Randy's real, real like that, very, very, um very honest and transparent you know and uh but uh, sometimes god does honor that sometimes god heals sometimes god sometimes god heals in response to the sick person's faith sometimes he heals in response to the one praying for someone who is sick what you come down to as a conclusion is god does what he wants to do and he's quite able to do what you ask him to do but if he doesn't it doesn't mean anything that's wrong with you it could be but likely it's just so it's not the norm but it can happen not the norm but it can happen so in john chapter five while he is by uh this pool he meets this man who has a very serious lifelong problem 38 years verses five and six and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years and then a pitiful condition it says a long time in that case verse 6 when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case well this is a very sad and a very pitiful condition I hope you can feel uh, this man's desperation to be healed year by year month by month festival by festival um, try to get to the pool but he cannot and he is always left out And so I want you to notice that when the Lord says in verse number 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in the case. Did Jesus meet him before? Uh Uh-uh. First time he met him, but it says Jesus knew all about him already. Laid his eyes on him for the first time. He knew everything about him. What does that prove? Well, the answer is obvious, isn't it? It proves one thing, that the Lord is God. He knows everything about everybody. That's pretty encouraging or pretty scary depends depends on your situation and so uh, uh, is there anything he does not know <laughs> mm. no nope. on all levels uh, internationally nationally statewide countywide home wise personal personal wise on every level of life uh, there's not a thing he does not know which is kind of a sobering thought that he knows about everything he saw this man for the first time and knew and knew that he had been now a long time in that case well you'd have to say this meeting was divine this meeting was appointed this meeting was uh, by the foreknowledge of God and by the the sovereignty of God all of these things coming into play There are no accidents or coincidences or worst of all no good luck in life and so there is a god who knows everything and he responds appropriately at the right time sometimes that's mysterious and hard to understand but that's what you find from the bible about how the lord is and so he doesn't want to be healed verse number six will not be made whole of course the answer is of course of course who are you he doesn't know who jesus is he doesn't know he's the son of God. He's just a stranger who asked this question to him. Later on, he would know who he is. But he says, would you like to be healed? He says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And uh, that's in modern, modern Greek. Are you kidding me? Verse number seven. Then put the impotent man answered, sir, I have no man. Here's the problem. I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. What's happening in verse number 7 with this poor man? He tries to get in, but he can't walk because he's paralyzed. He he tries to crawl on his elbows, but he's run over. People pass him. He's always being uh, left behind. People cut in front of him. Of course, because they can walk and they can get there, but he can't. This is the perfect example of a headline in today's news and feel sorry for this guy and, and send him, get a GoFundMe account going to help this man because he's a real pitiful case, he is. It's a very, it's a perfect case to you to, to feel sorry about. Uh, when I'm at uh, my-in-law's house in Michigan, um, she had this uh, was a satellite thing, and she likes to watch a lot of westerns. I know one thing about these satellite things and programs, you know what they have between, in the episode? Commercials. Must be about 15, 16, commercials one after they, they kind of just loop around you have the rifleman or rawhide or the bonanza or the big bell or all these westerns that she loves we'll sit there and do the commercial you must go and uh, cut the grass and come back and still there's commercial going on it is like forever we try to count one time 16 commercials between taking a break and come back to the continue the ep- it drives you crazy one of the commercials makes you feel so bad. It's about the St. Jude Hospital, and they have a poster child there. He's a little young guy, and now he's a big guy, he's a teenager. And you see that when he was small, he could, he, he talked, and you felt, you just you just felt like, I wanna contribute, I wanna give. You just, if you're, if you're decent, you're normal, you have pity and compassion on a boy like that. And he just, he's a perfect poster boy for St. Jude's Hospital. And you just want to give money even if you don't have money. You want to give him what you're eating. Here, he can have my ice cream. Here, you can have my papa. You can have this. You feel so compassionate for this. This man is like that. You could raise money on his face. You could donate a lot and get a lot and appeal to a lot. He really is in a pitiful condition. And he is just in a sad, sad state of life. And so, um, he's worth of compassion lying there for who knows how long, as many others would have been. And the time comes to get to the pool, he can't get in. It's so sad. No one helps him. He says, I have no man, no man to do. I have no man to carry me, to lift me up, to put me, throw me into the pool. I have no man to do that. No one is there to help him. It's um, every man for himself. Well, you really don't blame people for wanting to take care of their own needs. That is not the problem. The problem is that he can't walk promise he can't get to where he believes he can get healed he's stuck it's a sad situation very pitiful opportunities come they pass him by how cruel for people to think of themselves no not cruel at all not cruel at all he just says i have known to carry me to the pool it is quite moving verse number eight Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up that bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Oh no. A good deed is done on the Sabbath. That is bad. That is worthy of death. According to these religious leaders. So, in verse number 8, the Lord tells him to do something he has never done before. He was told get up I know it's spelled with the E but this is southern way of talking get up get up and the man has never been able to get up before in his life, he has tried to but uh, he cannot get up the Lord says get up well this is kind of amazing now a lot of amazing things in this account in the life of Christ he says get up, rise, rise rise, take up thy bed and walk get up and walk. Well, he's never been able to get up and walk. He's been walking on his elbows, been dragging himself, pulling himself. He's got calluses upon his calluses on his elbows. He's never been able to walk. And the Lord says, said, get up, walk. People who heard him maybe stopped this and you don't know him, do you, mister? This man's been here for a long time. He can't do that. You're asking the impossible. Well, uh, get up, take up that bed. Now his bed was not a a C V. Postepedic. It was not a modern bed as you think about it with the frame. It wasn't a twin bed. It was it was just a like a cot, like a like a just a a mat, something very plain, something very simple. And um, it wasn't a I love my pillow pillow with him. It was just a mat. Pick it up, roll it up. Can go an impossible thing for this man who cannot walk to walk you know I have seen people I, I don't want to harp on this too much but it is so infuriating to me and so deceiving and so dishonest to see people on TV who claim to have been in a wheelchair because they're an invalid and they can get up off the wheelchair because some guy says so that just burns me up because uh, people at home are watching and the crowds are watching and they think this is real and uh, I have gone to these healing meetings Uh, Here in Honolulu, has uh, they had one? Nathan, remember that with the big VHS camera, those six-star recording SLT. Remember those anybody? (laughs) Film the whole thing, and uh, on the stage were rows of wheelchairs, apparently to prove that people have been healed and they can get up and walk. Arise, walk. Well, we ran into one lady. Uh, on the way out, it was a long source, we couldn't stay anymore, we are getting hungry, and that all dictates what to do when you're hungry. We're leaving the arena at the Blaisdell, we come out, there's a woman come down the ramp with a wheelchair, she's going to the handy van, imagine this now, going to the handy van, and I have to ask the question, excuse me, she stopped, I said, what happened? Meaning, didn't you come to a healing service? Didn't Benny heal you? I said, what happened? You know what she said to me? She looked up with this this sad, angry face. She says, nothing happened. What happened? Nothing happened. She did not even get past the ushers to get her to Benny because she really was unable to walk. And she went on to the handy van. That just burned me up. And she was mad. She was sad. She had such hope that this was her day. And if you ever wonder why we christians get upset about these things it's because the deception that's involved the fakery that's involved the putting on like god is using them in some miraculous new way and yet real people with problems are never really healed yeah. this man really got healed because the lord really did heal him it's a miracle rise up take up that bed and walk and the man probably did it out of desperation or me. Get up and walk. Well, he got up and walked. Immediately, right away, he was healed because the Lord said so. And so, um, in verse number 10 and 16. The Jews, therefore, said unto him that was cured, it "Is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Now, notice their attitude. Look at verse 16. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day number two uh, two things number one they are upset at the man who is healed because he carried his bed on the Sabbath day that 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 and they're upset at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath day both were considered works you don't work on the Sabbath day and they Extended the rules of the Sabbath from the Old Testament, they broaden it with their own traditions and made it impossible to live on the Sabbath day and do anything. Well, this was the infraction, this was the problem that they would want to plan and to be aggressive in actually killing Jesus because he had healed on the Sabbath day and this man had walked with his bed on the Sabbath day beyond the allotted footage that you could walk oh do you not just get instead of being happy this man is healed instead of being happy he can now walk instead of being glad for him and for his parents if they're still alive instead of being one one person now off the welfare dole, we should be happy about that no they're upset because a technicality was in there was an infringement on technicalities this is the mindset of the pharisees they're so strict about keeping the letter of the law; they've lost the spirit of the law. Yeah. You want to be careful not to become a Pharisee in a Christian life, yeah. where you are so right that nothing good can come out of somebody who does something a little bit that's not exactly kosher. Now I wonder if some Pharisee's son was like this; would they feel the same way? If if their wife or their their uh, um, uh, some relative. Had this problem, and they got hit. You think they was say that was bad because I, I think maybe human nature wise they would say, I don't understand this, but I'm so happy you cannot walk. I don't get this, I don't get this, I don't understand this, but brother, I'm so happy you can walk. Instead of having that feeling, they're so bent out of shape because things are not done according to their way of thinking and their traditions according to how they interpret the law this is a bad thing to have in someone's mind to be so resentful of someone's happiness because they didn't do it their way well uh he was healed for real and the first the first offense was healing on the sabbath day and then jesus doing a work on the Sabbath day look at verse number um, uh, 10 and 16 again Jews therefore said unto him that was cured it is the Sabbath day it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed 16 and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day well uh, Jesus has an argument about all of these things he has a comeback as to why he can rebut their accusations against him in a lawbreaker so from now on they intend to kill him very actively instead of being happy for what happened they have overlooked the mitigating circumstance this poor man his condition all of his life they have overlooked that now mitigating circumstance means when you go to court before the judge you plead um, something you give some additional fact information even though you did break the speeding law you 45 you went 85 you did get pulled over you did speed that's a fact But, but there's a mitigating circumstance to that an emergency. Your wife's about to give birth. So the officer comes over, he's upset with you initially because he doesn't know anything that's going on. How could he know? He pulls you over. Do you know you're going 85 miles on a foot? And he says, and the guy's like, he's he's ranting. What's wrong? My wife, she's about to give birth. I gotta get to the hospital, I get the I, I gotta get I gotta trip, I gotta say, I gotta I gotta get there now. He says, Follow me. Maybe <laughs> He did he did speed. He did speed, but there's a reason why he sped. It was not like, I don't care what you think, fuzz. Back in the 60s, we used to call cops fuzz or pigs. I didn't, they did, in that 60th generation, pigs. Why would you call an officer a pig? Uh, And so off you go. Now, so those are mitigating circumstances to help you understand the context of something. Yes, he did break the law. Yes, he did speed, but the reason for him doing that, instead of them seeing some mitigating circumstance they just saw breaking of the law going too fast i was coming down leaky leaky uh, saturday i got two speeding tickets down leaky leaky i don't hate the cops because i was going fast it just so happened rarely pulls your car faster even in neutral <laughs> pretty soon before you know you talk listen to somebody and you go this way when i don't like to talk or listen to stuff because i get distracted and so coming down is coming down leaky leaky, uh, you come up to the top, come down, you pick up speed, and uh, pretty soon it's 45. Then you see the 35 mile sign, and as you begin to break, another few feet you see these three cops over there like this. Don't you love it when those cops are like that, with their sunglasses, they're standing over here next to the motorcycle, the cars like that. And then the worst thing, besides them they point that device at you, they say, when that finger points at you, and they do that, you know that finger has a lot of power in it? <laughs> a lot of authority behind that finger. And you look at unbelief, I look at them, I, I, me? And then they go. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when they do that to me. They have it twice. I pull over and they give to the routine, you know, and um, I tell you, it's a bad feeling. I, and then you have a chance to contest the fine. I look at the fine, whoa, whoa. Yeah, you can appeal if you want to. You can write anything, or you can stand before the judge. One time I went before the judge in North Carolina. I was going this way, he's coming this way, the cop was, and he pulled me over. He came around like them in the U-turn to chase me down. I can't believe this. Innocent young man, me, gets pulled over in a strange place called North Carolina on Highway 70 because I was going five, 10 miles over the speed limit. He pulls me over. I had to go to, I went to court in Goldsboro, and I contested, you know what the judge did? She said, Pay the fine. It was a seatbelt violation. Didn't have my seatbelt on. Okay, well, I put it on when I saw him. <laughs> but made no matter to him. Anyway, uh, I tried to come up with a story, and she didn't buy it. I wasn't lying. I was just kind of stretching the truth. But she, anyway, no, no thought like that in their minds. Just throw the book at him. All right. So that was the first offense. No leniency. Uh, in verse seventeen through twenty-three, the second offense. So there were two things that happened in this period of Jesus' earthly life that caused the Jews, the leadership, to want to kill him. Verse seventeen. But Jesus answered them, "My Father worketh hitherto, and I work." Now he's about to explain why he healed on the Sabbath and why he's innocent of their charge. He doesn't just say, "Because I said so." He gives reasons. He tries to reason with them. He tries to help them to understand who he is and why he did it. Verse 17 again, But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said that God was his father. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. As we keep reading, you'll find out that he is equating himself to his father. That is blasphemy in their ears. But saith also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son of, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he saith the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead... And quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom He will. The Son quickeneth whom He will. I'm equal to God the Father. You're not. I am. That can't be. But I am. Impossible. It's what I am, it's who I am. Verse 22. For the father judgeth no man but hath committed all judgment unto the son. That all men should honor the son. That was a slap right there. That was a slap in the face. You ever see this contest where these men stand up face to face like this? Now you you men who who are if you're a real man, you look at this, you say, Wow, oh, that's really sore. That really is manly. They stand like this, they got talking their hands, and there's a referee. This is a sport. They stand like this and they go, they whack them as hard as they can with open palm. And some guys get knocked out. Some guys just wobble and stand there. This is a sport. Poker is a sport. Poker is on ESPN as a sport. It's a sports network. Poker is on. It's a sport. Slapping is a sport. how the mighty have fallen <laughs> what was i saying uh oh yeah they want to slap him for what he's saying they want to whack him they want to uh physically uh knock him down because this blasphemous words i do what the father would do if this here he'd do the same thing um, 21, I raised the dead like the Father raised it in judgment. All judgment is committed unto me, the Son. That is a statement that invites persecution. Verse 23, that all men should honor the Son. Well, you folks in the heart the Son, you people who despise me, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now, can you understand why how deeply they resented Jesus Christ for what he said to be to be equal with God. You, you folks honor the Father. You should honor me. If you honor me, you honor the Father. Can you see the rage? Their eyes are bulging out of their head. It's popping out. They're having a conniption, conniption fit. Is that what it's called? A conniption fit? What is a conniption fit? I never heard of a conniption fit. I've I heard of it before. What is a conniption fit? Randy, what is a conniption fit? Conniption fit. It's just a conniption fit. Well, don't define. Don't define what the word. A conniption fit is they're losing their minds over what he's saying verse 23 all men shall honor the son even as they honor the father he that honoreth not the son honoreth not the father which hath sent him verse 24 verily verily i say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life I'll, I'll skip that one uh verse 25 about judgment resurrection verily i say unto you The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of god and they that hear hear what the voice of the son of god me shall live for the as the father life in himself so hath he given to the son to have life in himself and hath given him the son authority to execute judgment also because he is a son of man now all of these verses here are to is to say i did this because I can, because I'm God. If God was here in the flesh, he'd do the same thing. Take that. Well, you think they like that? Of course not. So I want you to see from the eyes of the Pharisees, how they felt when Jesus said these things, and why he did what he did. They were deeply offended, legitimately so, because it, it went against what they thought was true in scripture. They were wrong. They embellished the scriptures, they added the scriptures by the traditions, in fact, their tradition became the scriptures. And so the Lord did these things. He says, I have a right to do that. I have a right to do that because I can. And so it just infuriated them and they want to kill him. So this portion of scripture is about the Lord defending himself and telling them reasons why he did it and how he's justified in doing these things. So because they rejected him here in Jerusalem, he goes back up to Galilee In John chapter 6 and in Luke 14 we'll stop there but I want you to see the mindset that they had toward him and how he countered their accusations by the truth about who he is his relationship to the father now folks you have to admit you have to admit that he was very plain about what he said there's no mistaking what he said Part of the equation of why they want to kill him so vigorously is because they knew what he said. You know, sometimes politicians say, let me be clear. And they go on for no two minutes about something, and it's not even clear. It's unclear. They made it more unclear. Let me be clear. Whenever someone says, let me be clear, you can be sure one thing, it won't be clear. But when Jesus says what he said, it's like he was saying, let me be clear, and he just tells you what it is. Okay all right uh so that's chapter five and that's a part of his uh, earthly last ministry and we'll get to john six and uh other gospels about the event of john chapter six too. it's a great chapter chapter six come would you go ahead and read it sometime this coming week it's a long chapter as a matter of fact let me tell you that it's got uh, oh chapter six it has just 71 verses which is like for someone in eternity it's like a light year It's a long it's quick but it's a long time long long way to go but uh, chapter 6 has got some great miracles and some great i am statements in john chapter 6. and all of that is to again emphasize who i am to them to the common people to the religious crowd and jesus knows exactly what this is all leading to it's going to lead to something that we all are familiar with but these are the two things that happened so far As to why he was despised and hated by the Jewish leadership. And um, we find no fault in him. We find no fault in him. We find fault in the human heart. Whenever the human heart applies its traditions and its rebellious heart attitude toward the scriptures, you'll always have conflict like two Rams buddy kids. Someone's right and someone's wrong. I know who's wrong, I know who's right. The idea is to be on the right side, which is to be on the Bible side, to be on God's side. All right? Okay, let's take a short break.